coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas, overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas. Welcome to the show that knows the pride and tradition of the Texas football program and Texas athletics will never be entrusted to the timid of the week. You are locked in to another edition of the multicast that has its eyes on Texas football. It is uh, Eyes on Texas Multicast uh, here with us. I am Aaron Hogan. He is Mike Craven. We're broadcasting live from the Austin Radio Network headquarters. Uh, and Mike Craven, of course, Austin American Statesman, now with Dave Campbell's Texas Football. And they had a big announcement today. The cover of the Dave Campbell's Texas Football magazine, the Bible of Texas Football, has been announced and revealed today. Mike will uh, walk us through that process and who it is. You'll learn that this evening if you haven't already seen it. Also, uh, I'm Aaron Hogan, 33 years here in Austin, Texas, 23, 24 years, morning radio here in the ATX. Now uh, every morning on the Horn flagship station, uh, hornfm.com. That's how we do. It is uh, the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. It's a product of the Republic of Football and the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network, powered by Grande Equipment. Grande Equipment is a locally owned independent equipment company that has been serving Central Texas and the world's equipment needs since 2004. They're online at grandeequipment.com. Michael, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I still don't know how you get through that intro uh, without losing your breath. I would stumble over a lot of that. But I'm doing pretty good. Caught up on all my shows. Uh, ready to be back on this thing. I don't know how you write as many uh, articles as you write because you're a writer, and I guess I do this part broadcasting decently. But uh, the 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 cover person who is on the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, we'll talk about it coming up in our second quarter. Is uh, you wrote the you wrote the uh, the lead story? I did twenty five hundred words. Now this is you only been at Dave Campbell's for how long? Two and a, two years. Two uh, years 18, now. This yeah. is your first cover story. No, I did the uh, Jeff Trailer Joey McGuire one last year as well. I will. And then this. I did the Sam Ellinger one back in the day as a freelancer. Oh, look at you. Well, yeah. that helped you in land where you are. But that's exactly uh, right. We'll get yeah. into that coming up. But I have to assume that, uh, well, I will tease our uh, multicast audience that uh, it was two coaches on the cover last year. Mm-hmm. It's a coach on the cover this year. It is a coach on the cover this year. Yeah. So that's how we do it. And that's how we will uh, get it rolling. Quarters, we break our, ga- our multicast into four quarters, powered by Grande Equipment. We also appreciate all of our uh, founding sponsors and partners. We're going to meet one of our partners and underwriters tonight in our halftime segment coming up. But in quarter one tonight, we'll recap the big developments since our last multicast. We took a month off, like the Texas football team, when the uh, spring game wrapped up. We did one last episode to wrap it and put it in a bow, and now we uh, enjoyed May not doing a podcast. Wasn't a lot to talk about in that realm. But we'll recap several of the big developments that did fall within the Texas program, including the hiring of three new big-name coaches who are coming on board with the titles of special advisor to the head coach. We'll also in our second quarter. Recap last week's SEC meetings in Florida, where looks like an eight-game schedule, at least in year one, when the Longhorns finish up in the Big 12 and move to the SEC. We'll certainly discuss the ramifications of that. Uh, as we said, Mike will also in quarter two reveal the cover pl- cover person for this year's Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Quarter three is Spicy Hot Takes time, uh, brought to you by the On Point Spice Company. Uh, Spice Company. We'll debate uh, several of the big college football conversations that are going on this spring and into the summer. There's some good ones, too. Also in quarter, quarter four, to wrap things up tonight, uh, and today we will in- introduce you to the summer enrollees that have joined the Longhorns for summer workouts, the true freshmen, and a couple of uh, potential big-time portal additions for the Longhorns that you need to know are on campus, joining the 13 early enrollees and the portal players that came in back in January. So that's how it's go. Uh, Mike, developments from, uh, let's start our first quarter. Uh, let's launch the uh, the first quarter of our, our multicast. And it's been a pretty newsworthy 40 days or so since we did our last podcast on the 40 Acres. I know in college basketball, we've been following Rodney Terry to building his first roster. Uh, the return of Dylan DeSue, Tyrese Hunter's coming back. 
uh, tested the NFL and NBA draft waters. Dylan Mitchell did the same. He's coming back too. Also four big transfers. That's looking good. Texas baseball team has advanced to the uh, Super Regional round again. That's 13 times in 16 years. We're recording this multicast on a Monday night, which means the Aggies and Stanford are playing right now mm-hmm. to determine who the Longhorns will play in the Super Regional round. Uh, who are we rooting for, Mike? Who are we rooting for? Aggies? Anybody rooting for the Aggies? I, I made the argument this morning on the show that Got to root for the Aggies. I mean, I do, an, thing. I do an Aggie podcast, so you're not going to get me on record saying I'm rooting for Stanford. <laughs> well, the Longhorns could still host. There's a myriad of things that go into the committee selecting the host. They can't host if Stanford goes. If Stanford right. wins, you're, you're going to Palo Alto. We talked about going. this in basketball, right? I, I'm a, as a casual observer, as an outside force, uh, I root for Texas and Texas A&M to play in something every single week on television. I will watch it. Yeah, uh, I will certainly dive in. I just think it would be great to have – Texas and Texas A&M to go to Omaha. Of course, the Aggies mm-hmm. ended the Longhorn season last year in Omaha right. in their 0-2 performance there. Longhorn fans would like to get a little uh, comeuppance on that deal. Uh, but, you know, you know, you could have to go to Olsen Field or Bluebell Field or whatever they call it down there in College Station, which would be quite rowdy. But I think Stanford's a better team than A&M, and I think uh, the fact that you still have an outside shot to host the event the Super Regional here in Austin. Both schools have submitted bids. The committee will decide after tonight's game if the Aggies win. So I would root for the Aggies tonight. But, I will you know. say this on record. Palo Alto, better than College Station. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah, the Aggie fans that have made the trip out to uh, that part of the world, that's a clash of cultures. Yeah. That's a clash of cultures. <laughs> uh, the Birkenstock crowd and the Aggie crowd. Wow. Mm-hmm. Coming together. You know, we are all one. That's what it's all about right there. But, yeah, that's going on tonight. Also, that Stanford you know, realm is pretty interesting because the Texas Athletic Department as a whole closing in their third straight Director's Cup crown, uh, the, the compilation of all the points throughout the year for championships and Big 12 championships or conference championships. Longhorns have a chance to win that again for the third straight year. Stanford won it 25 years running. Texas has a chance to win that. And that Stanford-Texas baseball thing becomes a, a very big pivot point to who wins that. But uh, even though they took the month off in May, Texas football, Steve Sarkeesian, they've been fairly busy. I know Sark, uh, along with Chris Del Conte and several of the other Texas coaches, Rodney Terry, uh, involved, embarked on the Texas fight, uh, barnstorming tour around Central Texas, meeting with alumni and fans and donors in San Antonio, the Metroplex, and Houston. Not much real news made on uh, those trips, but Sark did reiterate that Quinn Ewers is the starting quarterback, Mike. That's not a surprise. Mm-hmm. And as you wrote about Dave Campbell's Texas football, he didn't back down one iota on the expectations for this year's team. Uh, they're they're all in. It's all gas. Uh, no excuses. Let's go get this thing. Yeah, I mean, from talking to Sark, talk to Jordan Whittington, talk to Jalen Ford for the magazine, and, and all of them didn't shy away. I kind of you know gave them a little bit of an out or tried to try to brace that a little bit because a lot of teams usually don't want to just go on record going Big Twelve championship or bust, right? And that's how they feel. You know, I, I remember watching that Texas team that left the Southwest Conference with, with the conference title, uh, and I think they want to, you know, repeat that same thing. And you need that kind of momentum uh, going into the SEC. This thing gets really weird if it's seven and five or eight and four, and it's disappointing again. Yeah. Uh, but if it's nine and three, ten and two, eleven and one, uh, with a conference title, at least a conference conference championship appearance, I think then you feel pretty good about what Texas looks like going into the SEC. I agree. I agree. And Sark is confident. Uh, Sark is feeling like he's got a team that can do a lot of things he wants to do. The conference is wide open. Uh, Still many non-believers out there, which is fair, Mm -hmm. based on the performance and what Texas has put on the board in the last 10 years or so and all the times it felt like we're back or they're back and they weren't. Uh, But this team feels like there's a lot of substance to it. And when he traveled around to the different parts of the state, uh, there was a lot of confidence. And that's a good thing for sure. Uh, But Here's the biggest development that has come since our last multicast, Mike. 
I think. You can correct me or, or, or disagree, but uh, the hiring of not one, not two, but three special advisors to the head coach. Uh, and last year, this was the Gary Patterson role that even Sark has gushed about how successful it was and fruitful just to have someone, a sounding board for him to talk to, another set of eyes who he could you know check in on and then report back to him on how things from a you know an experienced coach like Gary, uh, what he was seeing and and maybe what uh, you know what moves need to be made. Well, he took that built on it, and he's bringing in a a different advisor for each phase of the game. He's bringing in on offense Paul Christ, the former Wisconsin quarterback, former Pittsburgh and Wisconsin head coach, went to a Rose Bowl, uh, tremendous in uh, developing offensive line, running backs, run game. Uh, power run game, outside zone run game, all the things that Sark wants to be here, uh, that power run game that sets up play-action pass for his speedy outside receivers. Paul Christ, lots of experience coming in to help with the offense. Uh, on defense, Payam Sadat, uh, former Washington State linebacker who you know, began his defensive coaching career with Dick Tomey out of Desert Swarm, like, mm-hmm. like uh, that whole realm of defense, and has always climbed the ladder uh, on the West Coast, but in particular, was an Army as a defensive coordinator for a long stint. Obviously, has ties to the Texas staff and PK uh, Pete Kwiatkowski. He's coming in to be a different set of eyes for the defensive side, and then on special teams, this might be the biggest one: the coup de gras, Mike. Uh, Thirty years, an NFL special teams coordinator, Joe D. Camillus, mm-hmm. uh, coming in to help out uh, Jeff Banks and the special teams for Texas. I mean, this guy was a coordinator for the Rams when they won the Super Bowl just in 2021, uh, and Cowboys. You know, go down the list of teams. This guy's as good as they get from the National Football League, bringing his brand. Pretty clear, Sark is all gas on this thing. Yeah, I mean, I think they know the expectations, and they know it's going to be fine margins, right? It's going to be special teams. It's going to be, you know, uh, execution here and there, doing doing the small stuff. You know, one of the things we've seen over in college football over this last decade is this explosion of staff. You know, we've seen it in the SEC. You look at Florida's team picture, and it's just absurd. You know, there's as many guys in khaki pants and polos as there is in uniforms. And, you know, it helps. It helps you self-scout. You know, I'm, I'm sure Sark can can look at a guy at Paul Chris and go like, hey, if you're playing our defense, what are you calling? What are you looking at? What are you doing? You know, stuff that you just don't have time to do. Sark's in front of media for five hours a week. He's practicing. He's doing a bunch of stuff. Any more uh, people that you can have come in with expertise who have done it at the highest level uh, is a good thing. Right. I mean, if you can have 25, 30 of those guys, you would. And so you, know, you lose a former head coach in Gary Patterson. I think he wanted to to replace that with somebody with that same experience. Yeah, Paul Christ and then Joe D. Camillus and uh, Payam Sadat are coming in. And you said it. And you've been around the state. You cover these teams. Not every program you cover can afford analysts right. because they make twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year. They've all made a lot of money in their careers. But this is an opportunity for them. Gosh, it's how Sark got back into coaching when he hit his low mark. After the uh, USC situation, it was Nick Saban that threw him a lifeline and brought him in as an offensive advisor. He rose to offensive coordinator and off to do uh, you know great things where he is now. Uh, and, and so you know you can see Paul Chris kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, but in these roles, you just said it right. I mean, coaches day to day, there are ten that can recruit that are on the sidelines that are coaching positions, uh, including Sark. And their day-to-day gets pretty monotonous. Their their week-to-week during a football season gets pretty locked in to the next opponent, uh, the game plan. And you you can imagine coming in on a Sunday after a game is over, 
and these three coaches have already helped you put together the scouting report for the next week's team. Uh, you know, your self-scouting of what yeah. they saw, of what maybe you uh, your weaknesses are, how they would attack you if they were playing you right now, uh, and, and what the strengths are of the team you're going to play. I mean, those things are huge advantages where you hit the ground three days ahead of, you know, what yeah. you normally would be able to do to get prepared by Tuesday for the first or Monday for the first practice. Or you see a, a unique defensive front and you look over at Paul Chris and you go, you ever seen anything like that? When you've seen it, what have you run? What has worked well? Or, you know, hey, we're trying to get our guard to do this. Have you used any steps differently that way? Or he may be out, out at practice and he sees some inefficiency somewhere and be like, hey, there's a drill where you can work both of those things at the same time. And so, you know, I think in any line of work in any profession, the more big brains you can put into a room, the better, right? And good on Steve Sarkeesian. For a guy, he's never won a conference title, right? He's never won 10 games in a season. I think he's been confident enough in himself despite that to surround himself with some dudes that could be intimidating if you weren't confident in your ability to do the job. A's higher A's, right? right. Uh, that's the old phrase. A's higher A's, B's higher, B's higher C's because they're scared – that that C or the B the A would take his job, mm-hmm. um, you know. I thought Tom. I think not to bash on Tom Herman, but I thought Tom Herman's coaching hires a lot of times right. were scared hires. They weren't hiring the best or someone he could control or he knew. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian looks like a guy that's going to hire the best. And when you come from Nick Saban, where I mean he's the best that's ever done it, maybe, and he's willing to hire guys like that and bring them in. That's just. It's humility, but it's just this is what we need to win at the highest levels. This is the edge we can get. If it's one play, if it's one special teams concept that Joe D. Camillus brings to this team that blocks a big punt in an Oklahoma game or something that uh, you know Jeff Banks leans on in that realm. Because special teams, this is the, the exciting thing for me as a fan, if you're observing this, is Paul Christ, that's a great hire. Yeah, It's, it's right down Sark's line of thinking of how he wants to be, run his team. Uh, I don't know a lot about Payam Sadat, I'll be honest about you, but obviously – Pete Kwiatkowski and that staff that have so many West Coast and great Northwest ties certainly have a good relationship with him. So that seems to make sense as they're trying to maximize their defense and continue the improvement. But Joe D. Camillus, I mean, this guy's won Super Bowls. This guy's been around. You know, And special teams coaches are interesting because they coach the whole roster, right? They don't just coach offense or defense. They work with offensive players. They work with defensive players. And that's why you've seen in the NFL guys like John Harbaugh. Uh, become NFL head coaches because they're not specializing. They coach people, yeah. and uh, they build teams and unity. And that's what you hear about Joe D. Camillus. Just a, uh, a fa- you know, players all love him. But man, the the uniqueness in which he coaches special teams. And as this team builds depth, Mike. I mean, and as to the recruiting classes, and when the more talented you are, the more. Sp- you know, good players you can put on those special teams, and that can change games. You said when the margins are thin, and it's going to be a play here or there or a, or a big moment, special teams can change it. We saw Texas when they were at their best under Mac Brown in the 2000s. How many times did a block punt or a return yeah. game or something on the special teams unit win the football game? Uh, that's how you win 11 or 12 football games. you got to find those ways to, to not just win the game but then separate. A close game becomes a two-score game because you blocked a punt or returned something. No doubt. No doubt. And, and as you know, against Alabama, against Georgia, against LSU, against Tennessee, like as you move into that next phase of football, you know, where every week is going to be a gauntlet eventually, you know, special teams becomes more important than ever. And Frank, a lot of these coaches don't know a ton about special teams, right? You <laughs> yeah. know, like they're doing a bunch of other stuff. Like I remember on the recruiting trail, you know, you'd go to a high school, like I'd go to Lake Travis to, to do an interview on Dicker. 
and Hank Carter would be like, he's somewhere doing something, you know, <laughs> you know, and like, so like, I, I don't think a lot of them know a, bun- a bunch about that kind of stuff. So anybody you can add in there, you know, and then in the return game, they're starting to re- recruit at a level where you have some guys back, you know, where you should start getting some real points from your special teams. You know, it's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah. And it's also taken a page from his days at Alabama where, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, is returning punts and covering punts at Alabama. Uh, best players played because it's the third phase and it's an important phase. And if you're trying to win a championship, it can be the difference uh, in winning and losing football games. And I'll say this, Jeff Banks is considered one of the better special teams coaches because not every program in the country has a special teams right. coordinator. They kind of ham and egg it and split it up. Uh, and Jeff Banks is seen as one of the best, but he's also recruiting, also coaching tight ends. Guaranteed, Joe D. Camillus knows a lot more about special teams coaching than Jeff Banks does. Yeah, he's done it every day his whole life for <laughs> yeah. three years. Yeah. I mean, and at the highest level with the best athletes. So that can't be anything but a good move by Sark and the Longhorns. Also, one other note that happened in May as we recap uh, what's happened since we've last did this Eyes on Texas multicast. Uh, the We're overlooking downtown Austin. We tell you that when we start the, the multicast every time. Uh, there's the state capitol. I can see it out there. Uh, the legislature in the state of Texas... Uh, has voted into law in the state changes that have been approved by the governor, Greg Abbott. Uh, It is NIL legislation that gives the schools in the state of Texas, not just the Longhorns, but every school that plays in the state of Texas, more freedom within NIL name, image, and likeness rules. Um, It also, the most notable change appears to be it provides cover for schools from being punished by the NCAA for any NIL violations, including any committed by collectives that have been set up to support student-athlete deal facilitation. So this is politics at its finest, politics into big money, uh, college athletics um, and the state level, which is why we're already seeing Nick Saban and a group of SEC coaches move to Washington. And think about this, Southern football coaches going to speak to the, I mean, Stay out of my stay out of my way, government people. Yeah, uh, going to lobby Congress and to the get feds some more government to help to get it's us funny, some more government. It's funny how that works because huh? that that those Texas and those Texas A and M and USC have all the money. Mm-hmm. We can't compete. We need your help. And can you imagine these hearings, Mike? Tommy Tuberville and this yeah. ilk, you know, <laughs> interviewing. Having hearings with Nick yeah. Saban, what a clown show this will be! I mean, it's just about time that somebody is going to help Nick Saban, and you know, <laughs> uh, listen to his story and give him the advantages that he so desperately needed uh, to to win football games. To me, that I I have a hard time taking a lot of this stuff seriously, right? Because like I covered recruiting for long enough to know that like NIL didn't start two years ago, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? You're like. Instead of giving guys poker chips and making them go play for an hour and then cashing out the rest of them, you can just give them money now, you know. And uh, Nick Saban's taking bigger jobs and left left places to go get more money. Uh, I do think it's funny that uh, that this is all happening in this kind of way. But uh, I do think you are going to see a separation between the states. And I, I think that's the important part, right, is like they all need to be playing on a quote-unquote even playing field. And there's never been one. I went to UTSA. We are not on the same level of playing field as Texas, right? Like, that won't exist ever. Uh, but eventually this is going to separate into the top, top 60 teams being on their own island, doing their own thing. And you can't have different states within that union uh, coming up with different rules. So I understand uh, Nick Saban's gripe. It's just one of those things that's, like, hard to listen to because he's Nick Saban. Yeah. Uh, and if he was at a school that had more financing and richer donors, he'd love NIL. Like, let's right. be fair about that. Right. Uh, I think that's that's uh, fairly uh, uh, obvious of where that stands right now. 
All right, that's the end of our first quarter. We break them into four quarters every Texas multicast, and our first quarter is brought to you by uh, the Texas Mortgage Guy, our man Carlos Carrion. We're going to meet Carlos coming up throughout the course of the summer. In our halftime segment, we're going to be meeting and introducing you to some of our key sponsors, our main sponsors, our founding underwriters. So we're excited about Carlos, and we appreciate thetexasmortgageguy.com for jumping in here. Excited time. And uh, quarter two, though, and we have a new segment, Mike, that you're going to like. I affectionately glossed it. Uh, Craven's Cranium. <laughs> Craven's Cranium. It's a scary place. Um, yeah, it is a very scary place. Uh, and our, it's it's topics that are swimming around your brain. Mm-hmm. I asked you, I said, Mike, send me some things that you're thinking about. You think about a lot of things. You write a lot of stories for Dave Campbell's Texas football. Craven, send me stuff that's uh, swimming around your head. Uh, and first up in the corner is, as we uh, aforementioned, Dave Campbell's Texas football has announced their, announced their covers. The uh Annual Bible of Texas football comes out every July. Yep. And it's always anticipated who will be on the cover. It's been players, it's been coaches, it's been, uh, you know, some of the biggest names in the history of Texas football. Always a massive decision and honor. Can you share with us who is the cover person in this year's edition? In 2023, summer edition that will come out uh, late June for subscribers, texasfootball.com, early July for non subscribers. It is Sunny Dykes, head coach of the TCU Horn Frogs. A relatively easy decision. I'd imagine uh, it could have been predicted by most people. Our guy, Joe Cook, uh, works at Inside Texas, picked the uh, main cover and the uh, gateful cover on Twitter earlier today. So I don't know if we shocked anybody, uh, but Sonny's an interesting story. You know, for those who don't know, he has ties in the state of Texas, like beyond anything you could imagine, right? Like uh, he was up, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights. He played, he grew up kind of playing baseball and stuff with that, uh, with those guys when his dad was coaching out there at, at Midland. Uh, he grew up in Austin, was around Texas for a long time. Uh, so his dad, you know, obviously a famous guy. First time that we've had a father and a son on a cover. His dad was on the cover in 1990. Uh, but then he was also, you know, on the front foot of, of like an offensive revolution that changed college football forever. I mean, I, I think I could make an argument that Hal Mummy and Mike Leach are the two most formidable people in modern college football since 1990 on. Uh, nobody has changed football in a way that those two had. And Sonny Dykes has worked for them since he was a GA at Kentucky. And so uh, I got to talk to Hal um, got to talk to Sonny, got to talk to, to some few people around the air raid about him becoming the first offensive guy from that tree to play for a national championship. And it happening only a few weeks after Mike Leach passed away and what that means for that group, uh, what that means for that tree and that legacy. And kind of his, you know, I think what's interesting about Sonny is we've all we all have dads. Right. And, and you have this you have this idea of you're going to make your own path. Um, and he wanted to do that. He wanted to rebel from Spike, and he went and he coached with Mike Leach and Hal Mummy, and he got to Cal and he failed, you know, because he just worried about the system. He just worried about the X and O's. He didn't care about uh, the culture and all that kind of stuff, and his dad was very big into the culture part. He never had star players and stuff. It was all about, you know, the team, and so when he got back into coaching, when he became a head coach again at SMU, his goal was to to meld those two philosophies, the scheme from Mike Leach, the culture from his dad, you know, that helped SMU have their first 10-win season since the death penalty a couple years ago, and then it helped TCU uh, get to a national championship last year. All right, there it is. Dave Campbell's Texas football. The cover is Sonny Dykes. You see on the inside fold, the godfather, Reginald Samples. That's the high school storyline. And uh, as you can see, what's the uh, the lead there, Mike? It's uh, 
finally or, or something. At last. At last. At last. I, for people who don't know, you know, Duncanville's been in the state championship game the last four years. In the first three of those, they lost to North Shore. And in 2018, in excruciating fashion. I'm sure everybody's seen the Hail Mary, yep. uh, Demetrius Davis, that, that Hail Mary. And that, that may have not even been his worst law. I mean, uh, uh, 15 years earlier, there was a blocked extra point that would have gone into overtime when he was uh, at Carter or Lincoln, I think. And so, you know, he's kind of been the guy who's almost gotten there but never did. Uh, and so for him to finally get over the hump, and you know, I, I think it's safe to say every black coach you can think of in this state that's been predominant has a tie back to Reginald Samples and what he's done uh, in DISD, Jason Todd at South Oak Cliff, and obviously what they've been able to, to, to do, Claude Mathis at DeSoto, um, even Coach Finner here at LBJ. I uh, used to coach with Coach uh, Samples and stuff. So there, those, those ties go everywhere, and it was cool to see him finally get over the hump. Certainly was. Uh, certainly was, and certainly a great thing to see uh, there. Can't wait to read those stories. Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football lead writer on the on that story and all the work. Of course, high school <laughs> football, Bible, and then uh, great stuff covering the 13 now Division One programs uh, playing Division One football in the state of Texas. And uh, why not Sonny Dykes? I, I don't think you'll get much pushback on no. why Sonny Dykes. I mean, it's, uh, you know, went to the national championship game last year and we're year one. I love your story of you know, failing to come back uh, and, and get this team, you know, you, you know, you, you can't fail if you don't try yep. and you do it your way. And the fact that Cal, it was probably a, a conflict, but I loved that insight. Can't wait to re- read that story uh, in, in Craven's cranium here <laughs> or Craven's corner. Uh, we like it a lot. Also with the, uh, the other thing bouncing around your head right now is uh, the Dest- the meetings in Destin last week, the SEC meetings, the uh, decision made at least for 2024, that the schedule in the SEC will be eight games, not nine. Mm. That's where the SEC has been. The conventional wisdom and the thought, maybe for most fans and people like me on the radio, was, well, they'll go to nine games. They'll go to nine games. That's Texas and Oklahoma wouldn't be going if they weren't going to go to nine games. That's part of the deal. But at least for year one, the uh, the, the presidents and chancellors of the SEC voted 14 to nothing. Like, it wasn't close. Uh, to keep it at eight games for 2024, um, remember, Greg Sankey, the uh, uh, the commissioner of the SEC, went to Destin where they had those meetings last week with a nine-point plan and nine reasons why they should go to nine games. Now, he didn't convince anybody, but I think he convinced enough people that in the future they will, but at least for this first year, they're going to stick at eight games. What's uh, bouncing around Craven's cranium when it comes to the <clears throat> schedule? Yeah, this is just a money grab, right? I think ESPN was probably under, under that same uh, illusion, right? That like, oh, yeah, they'll go to nine games, no big deal, and it wasn't in the contract. And the SEC has figured out a way to stay in the news cycle for 365 days out of the year and, and to always be a talking point. And, you know, for them, I think for a lot of schools like Vanderbilt, some of the, the, the lesser schools, right, you know, why give up an easy game to win you know, for a conference game that you may not lose unless you're going to pay me some money. And so, you know, I think eventually they go to the nine game, you know, in, in 2025, they'll go to the nine game. It'll be the three, six model. And they'll just make sure all three of those schools will be in this eight game schedule. So if, for Texas, if their three games are Arkansas, A&M, uh, Oklahoma, in 2024, they will play all three of those teams, and then in 2025, that will become their three permanent. So I, I don't think we'll lose any of the big rivalries. LSU and Alabama are going to play. We won't lose any of those secondary rivalries. They're just going to kick the can down the road until ESPN can give them a race. Because as a media person, right, ESPN's in the middle of layoffs right now. 
And so if you're ESPN, you cannot be laying off your $40,000 a year underwriters while giving the ESP or giving the SEC $50 million more million at the same time, right? And so they'll, they'll handle it this year. They'll go to eight games, and the next year when it's not so much of a PR hit, they'll give them $50 extra million, and we'll move on with our lives. Agreed. Uh, that was my <laughs> sense on the radio, too. We're talking about this very same thing. Uh, we, we'll go to nine when you pay for it. You know, we're still lagging behind the Big Ten when it comes to the full dollar amount and the media rights. We're the king of the castle because we're the SEC. Uh, we need to get there. And ESPN, I think you're right, was thinking, wait a second, I thought that was part of this right. whole deal. Right. We orchestrated <laughs> yeah. Texas and Oklahoma into your conference, and now you're going to stick at eight. Now we need to get to nine, and you're right. They said we need to pay for it. Uh, also in Craven's Cranium, our second quarter here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast. Uh, you know, we, you and I have kicked this around. We've talked so glowingly about this Texas football team for our first uh, two months of episodes. A uh, lot to like about the team, a lot of strengths. What are your biggest concerns, your areas of concern for 2023 when it comes to Longhorn football? Honestly, it's quarterback. You know, really, like, and it's not talent at quarterback, right? I mean, we all saw the spring game. You know, Quinn Ewers has all the talent in the world. Uh, Malik Murphy's excellent, right? Probably turned down six figures to go start at an SEC school, SEC school next year. And Arch Manning's going to be really good. Uh, but, you know, Quinn Ewers has such an interesting story to me. You know, as as a true freshman, Ohio State didn't really take any snaps, never threw through a pass, right? Senior, he did. He skipped his senior year of high school to be there. His junior year of high school hurt for half of the year. You know, hasn't played a full season of football uh, since he was 16 years old as a sophomore at South Lake Carroll High School. So, you know, what will he be? How consistent will he be? Can he be the quarterback Texas needs for 12 games? Because with the amount of talent we've talked about Texas having, you know, they don't need you know, Trevor Lawrence or, or Vince Young, somebody to come in here and just go win football games, right? They need somebody who doesn't lose them, who doesn't have those performances like we saw against Oklahoma State where it just, like, looks like he's lost. And so, you know, what will he be? How will he play? You know, how does he handle those pressures? That's my biggest concern on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively, it's just linebacker next to Jalen Ford. Like, if you are counting on Jalen Ford to replace the production of DeMarvion Overshown or just keep his production from last year, you have to replace Overshown's production. And is that Anthony Hill? Is that David? Uh, you know, who, who is that? Who is that going to be? And so, uh, you know, is it Benda? Is it is it somebody that that hasn't you know emerged yet, right? And so Jalen Ford playing really well last year unlocked that defense. You know, he became a superstar, had all those stats, probably should have been Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Well, he's going to be the dude now. That's going to be the expectation. How do you produce – how do you come up with the production elsewhere? I think Anthony Hill's going to be really good, but he hadn't played true linebacker in a long time. He was as much of a running back at Denton Ryan as anything. And so uh, that's the concern spot for me on defense is just lying at the second level. Yeah, agreed. And I, we talked a bit ago about Payam Sadat coming in as an advisor to the defensive side. He kind of specializes in that positionless football concept. A linebacker coach and defensive coach by trade uh, came from that desert swarm with Dick Tomey and, you know, following that model. Yeah, they're going to have to put some uneven pieces in some places. And that's where Anthony Hill, you know, with just his raw athleticism, let him rush the passer. Yeah. I mean, don't over don't overthink the game. His athletic, you saw in the spring game, he just blew up things and, you know, let him go wreck things until he learns and then, to play linebacker and, at the college level. And then the big one I didn't mention is just how they handle the expectations. Sure. Like, when is the last time Texas handled those well, right? And we're going into the season where, you know, if you look on paper, they should be favored in 11 out of 12 games, you know, at, at worst 10 out of 12 games. 
Uh, but Texas is better than the teams that they're playing a lot of times, and, and they haven't fulfilled that promise in a long time. It does feel different. They feel experienced, and they feel like they have leadership in spots that they haven't, mainly the offensive line, defensive line. That's where your toughness comes from, right, is those big guys. So it does feel like a team that, that maybe is poised to do something different. But I'm with every. I, I, I understand everybody on the outside going, well, these are all things. Like, I would go around the state when I was doing the magazine interview. And coaches want information. So they're asking about all of the other schools, you know. And so you start talking about Texas, and you're, they're like, well, when, I mean, that's what you say every year about Texas. Not just about me, but just in general, right? And so, you know, I, th- I think it's understood to, to see why it's going to be a wait-and-see approach for a lot of people because they are always are so talented. Well, on the Horn in the Morning Show, we've glossed at the All Gas, No Excuses Tour, and I no. think that's what it is. It's there is no real excuse, and that puts a lot of pressure on Sark. I mean, it, he's got to deliver. I mean, this team has they, – they had four losses last year that very easily could have been wins uh, with some better coaching decisions, better play calls, and just better execution by the team. Uh, that's, a, that's a step forward because they were 5-7 and seven the year before. They were in every game. They had games that could have been won. So I think I, – I agree with you. I see the reason for the optimism, but got to deliver it. you got to put it on the dirt, and uh, there are no excuses – on an all-gas team this year. That's why I think you're seeing Sark bring in as much help as he can, many different eyeballs, being humble about it, knowing that a great season this year sends you into the SEC in a really, really good place. Second quarter uh, brought to you by Hay City Store, an ice house. Hay City Store, my favorite spot. You'll see me out there a lot of nights. It's in Driftwood, Texas, between Kyle and Wimberley, out there kind of not far from Dripping Springs as well. Great little spot in the triangle. Hay City is your home for the best scratch Texas comfort food. You can sit inside under the canopy of oak trees or on the patio like I do a lot and their outdoor covered ice house and sports bar and watch all the games. Open every day, lunch and dinner. Uh, dining room is there as well. They, uh, their scratch food is legendary already. People are making the trip from wherever they are. Uh, wood-fired pizzas, house-ground burgers, the chicken fried steak is the best you'll find in uh, in a lot of counties in Texas, I can promise you. Not to mention the truck stop enchiladas, a full bar with over 53 beers on tap and so much more. It's on FM 150 between Kyle Wimberly and Driftwood, Hayes City Store and Ice House. Check out their complete mouth-watering menu online at Hayes City Store TX.com. That's Hayes City Store TX.com. And uh, remember, also live music six or seven nights a week out there on the big stage under the canopy of oak trees at Hayes City Store. And also, please check out Travis and Tamara's new upscale spot in charming downtown Buda. In addition to Hayes City, they brought online Taste on Main. If you love steaks and seafood and oysters and great seafood, get in there. It's a wonderful new choice. That is in Buda on Main Street. Appreciate Travis and Tamara for being an underwriter and a partner here on the uh, Eyes on Texas Multicast. All right, the, the Eyes on Texas multicast rolls on. We'll get to our third quarter coming up. That'll be our spicy hot takes uh, brought to you by the On Spice, the on, on Point Spice Company, which we'll look forward to. Also, our fourth quarter introduce you to some of the new Longhorns that are rolling here this summer, the freshmen that weren't here early, and some uh, portal prospects. But it's time for halftime. It's powered by One Source Gas of Central Texas. Uh, we're going to tell you about them coming up. But then now, normally during the season, when we fill in our halftime, we're looking forward to bringing this to you every uh, multicast, a conversation with the former Longhorn football star, uh, kind of a where are they now segment. We're going to get to know them, what they're up to. We're going you know, usually tie into the opponent that week for the Longhorns during the football season. We'll have some fun during it during August camp with uh, former Longhorns. Also during the football season and halftime, we're going to do a how the Longhorns are faring in the National Football League segment as well, keep you up to date with all the Longhorns 
playing on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays and whenever they're playing, uh, that'll be fun to keep up with uh, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and then all the former Longhorn that are still uh, getting it done in the National Football League. But we thought through June and July in the summer, be great to let you, our uh, multicast audience, meet and get to know our underwriting sponsors and partners and excited to bring uh, in our first underwriter. He actually was the first one, reached out to me and said, man, I want to be a part of the uh, multicast. Love what you're doing with Eyes on Texas and Mike Craven and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. My good friend, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy at thetexasmortgageguy.com. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. And glad to be a sponsor. What do you think how this operation operates? It is a lot going on. <laughs> I had no idea. Very amazed. Well, we... Uh, we got good people, good people making it happen, good information to get it out there. That's why it's a multicast. We want to be on YouTube. We want to be on Spotify and iTunes and a lot of things you got to do if you're going to do cameras and the recording and sync it all up. But uh, our team is tremendous. But you're tremendous as well. Uh, you're a lifelong Austinite. Went to Travis High School. Yes, sir. Travis High School. Graduated 2004. And then St. Edwards right after. Now, so you went to Travis. You were not far from St. Edwards University, where oh, no. I went. Right down the street. I mean, right down the street. So you're a hilltopper looking down on the University of Texas from the hilltop, and but a lifelong Texas fan as well, in addition to getting a great education at St. Ed's. Yes, yes. Uh, I can tell you my first ever UT football game, Phil Dawson. Game-winning field goal. Virginia. Into the wind, yes. You know, I was a student at St. Edwards at the time, and I was standing under that goalpost. I was doing an internship with Mike Barnes and the team at KVU 24 because I was – Going to St. Ed's, I knew I wanted to do sports radio, but at the time there really wasn't sports radio. So, well, that's parents are like, "What are you doing? There's not sports radio. What are you? What are you, what are you majoring in?" <laughs> so, I did a TV, I did a newspaper internship. I did KVU 24 with Mike Barnes, and that fall we were on the sidelines, and I was carrying cords and doing whatever you had to do for KVU 24. And I, I stood there and watched that thing barely creep over into the wind oh, as yeah. Texas beat Virginia. Uh, so that was your first Texas football game. Yep. What is your fondest Texas sports memory, live or on TV? I think, oh, well, in person, I think the craziest game that I was ever at was Texas versus Notre Dame. Uh, I believe Bouchelle started the game. Was that the Tyrone Swoops? swoops the 18 wheel overtime. Package. Oh, it was. Texas, it was Texas great. is back. Yeah. And then uh, Joe Tessator bring in the hyperbole, <laughs> as only Joe Tessator can. This past year was my first, I can I still call it Red River Shootout? Because I believe... That was your first one? Yes, this was my first one. So 49 nothing. all the OU now fans. Now you have to go every year. It. Oh, yeah. TexasMortgageGuy.com. <laughs> the donut? The donut. Oh, it was great. The Texas fans were mad that it wasn't 52 because they missed a field missed goal. Missed field goal. It's supposed to be 52 uh, skunk. So th- those two games definitely were... And you love well. all the sports, baseball, basketball. Oh, and- yeah. Watching them get to another super regional is nice because... Was not expected this year. I, I rebuilding. I here. personally did not think they were going to get this far, but they shut me up, and I'm, I'm glad. How about uh, LBJ, LeBaron Johnson, oh, Jr. beautiful stud at Miami on Saturday night, which is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, all right, so uh, TexasMortgageGuy.com. Tell us about what you're doing with mortgages. I know it's a weird market right now for everybody trying to figure out interest rates and yes. housing and Austin. And uh, tell us what you're up to. So I, I guess what I can say right now is yes, interest rates are higher than they were a couple of years ago. But hear me out here. We get you into a house right now at the current interest rate. Say you wanted to wait a year. What if interest rates are higher next year? Guess what? You just looked smart because you bought already at the current interest rate. And if they are lower in a year, let's just get you refinanced because you got into that house at a lower price than you will next year. So 
I'm just here to help out. Just here to help out. And uh, we talk when we talk about your message for, at TexasMortgageGuy.com and all of your socials. It's uh, you're not just there to give you a quote and just uh, lip service. It's to get you get you where you want to be. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, if I'm just here to help, let's solve a problem. Let's get you in this house. Um, like I said, the interest rates might be a little higher than we've been used to the last couple of years, but get you in at the current prices. A year from now, if the rates are higher, you look smart getting in. A year from now, if they're lower, let's get you refinanced, and all will be good. Is that the easiest way, thetexasmortgageguy.com, to find Carlos? Correct. To find you? www.thetexasmortgageguy.com. You can send me an email, carlos at thetexasmortgageguy.com, or simply just text me, 512-769-0552. the website, the way to go, thetexasmortgageguy.com, and our first underwriting partner and sponsor and we hope you are for a long long time as we grow this thing and uh, into the end of the big 12 into the sec and looking forward to future visits with carlos carry on definitely look carry on my wayward son <laughs> thank you my friend i appreciate it Good thank you. you our halftime segment this week and every week moving forward brought to you by one source gas of austin they are your texas compressed gas leader uh, one source gas provides compressed gases such as co2 nitrogen oxygen propane and many more for various industries in the great state of texas Throughout Austin, all the way to San Antonio, One Source Gas is your lead CO2 provider for the service industry, hospitality industry, uh, and serving the medical industry as well. The industrial industry is many more. One Source Gas is locally owned and operated. It has been for more, for a dozen years now. And my buddy Richard and his team there understand the exceptional customer service is the key to your success when providing products that help you run your business. If you own a bar or a restaurant and your CO2 goes out, you can't serve draft beer, you can't serve sodas, uh, it's a real trouble uh, spot. So make sure you're going with the right group. Uh, bar, restaurant owners, dental offices, veterinarian clinics as well. If you have a business that has compressed gas needs and looking for a new CO2 or more reliable CO2 or compressed gas provider, you cannot go wrong and you need to visit their website, onesourcegastx.com. That's onesourcegastx.com or call my buddy Richard, 512-214-8484. That's 512-214-8484. And one of their friendly staff members and or Richard himself will be glad to help you with your compressed gas needs. They're going to bring you halftime all season long here on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, One Source Gas of Austin. Again, online at the website, onesourcegasatx.com. Onesourcegasatx.com. Time for the third quarter on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, episode number eight. And our third quarter is uh, our spicy hot takes segment and it's brought to you by the on point spice company local small business that produces the top quality spice blends that are a must in every home and every barbecue pit we'll tell you about them coming up but here's what we do on spicy hot takes our opinions on some of the biggest stories surrounding texas the big 12 and college football and our digital dude our man nolan hogan who does all our digital uh work has scoured the interwebs to find compelling uh, compelling, spicy college football conversations. Nolan, how are you? I'm great. I'm ready to get you some hot takes and let y'all debate these ones. All right, what's what's out there? What is the what are the interwebs scuffling about? So last week during the SEC meetings, while committee was deciding the schedule format, which was decided to eight games, uh, at Doc Texas on Twitter put out this tweet on the screen saying, "Think SEC is going to try and create a rivalry for Texas, just like they're trying to do with A&M and LSU." What actual rivalry Texas fans would be happy to see? Uh, for me, Tennessee would make sense, but I was wondering what you guys would like to see other than OU or AM. All right, Mike, this is the rivalry debate. Yeah. There are those arguing that uh, college football has scrapped rivalries. They don't care about rivalries. It's more and more NFL every day. But rivalries are the traditional 
brand of college football. Mm-hmm. And we know, as we talked about in our second quarter, the eight-game schedule is at least on board for this year. I think you see, or 2024, not this year, but the first year in the SEC for Texas. I think you said it right. The SEC will navigate the schedule in year one to make sure it's Oklahoma, it's A&M, probably Arkansas as well. But big picture, let's say they don't agree, and they're going to go to eight games, and uh, uh, there's only one rival outside of maybe Oklahoma that they play every year. Was there is there one team in the Big 12 in the SEC that we're not talking about that you think could become a great traditional rival? No, I mean for me Texas has the easiest three team pick in the SEC, right? I mean like Texas A&M, Oklahoma are obvious and we could have that debate I guess if Oklahoma or Texas A&M is the biggest rival. I, I would imagine Oklahoma is to most most Texas fans. But number three is easy. It's, it's Arkansas. I mean, I, w- I was raised by Charlie Craven. If I didn't say Arkansas, I'd be in a lot of trouble. You know, for, for, for people who are, you know, 50 and older, maybe 60 and older now, uh, Arkansas is up there with A&M and Oklahoma as their biggest rivalry. And so, you know, I think if we're looking for a third team, it's that one. I understand why, why Tennessee would be there, the UT, the Orange. I, I guess that makes sense, the Tennessee-Texas uh, connections historically. But if we're just looking for fun, like if we can throw those all out the window and you just got to pick the three teams you'd want to play, I'd imagine it'd be A&M, uh, Oklahoma, and LSU. Uh, every other year, you get to go to Baton Rouge and enjoy that that festivities, and you get them in your in your game uh, or in your stadium uh, every other season. We remember the Joe Burrow game and how fun that was uh, for everybody. LSU, I think, would be the the one I would want as a fan. Yeah, agreed. And I I, I was thinking about this when no, when I saw this come in from Nolan. I think that uh, Tennessee would be a great natural rival for Oklahoma. Yeah. They've talked about Missouri. But they played a home-and-home home recently. Baker Mayfield was a part of that uh, with Tennessee and football. I'd love to see Oklahoma, because Oklahoma's going to play Texas. They probably won't be, on the when they go to the three-plus-six method and scheduling format, it won't be A&M. It'll probably be Texas, Arkansas, and a third. Yeah, I've heard Missouri, but I think Tennessee would be good yeah. for Oklahoma. Especially with Heupel there right now, that would yeah. be a fun thing. Yeah, and Tennessee's performing well in all sports, too. They're, they're Programs are, are playing very, very well. That'd be a lot of fun. Big state school, not too far from Oklahoma. I think that would make some sense. But you're right. I mean, it, it's so natural. And I would imagine, as we talked about earlier, ESPN is going to fight like hell to make sure those are the three because they're, that's what they're paying for. They want those games yeah. every year. If you don't include Arkansas as your one of your three favorites for te- like, I just question how long you've watched Texas football. That's fair. You know, like if it's a new thing, I can understand why if you picked it up in like 2000 or 2010 or something, Arkansas is not there for you. But historically, like there is no debate on who the third rival is for Texas. It absolutely is Arkansas. No question about it. No question. Uh, and A&M, I, excuse me, ESPN will fight like like yeah. heck to make yeah. that happen. And so will Arkansas, yeah. so by the way. So like Arkansas. Arkansas wants that sellout every other year, and that's a guaranteed sellout in that stadium every yeah. other year. If you well, get and, you know, at the beginning when Arkansas left, they were a little – they weren't doing very well in the SEC. They still haven't reached the high marks. No, neither is A&M, and that's why we'll see if Texas can when they get there and where they slot in. But uh, either way, those rivalries are, are whatever. And it's not just in football. We know football drives it and everything. But, man, the baseball rivalries, the uh, the basketball, strolling Nolan days back in the, in, the, in the 90s in basketball with Texas and Arkansas, that needs to return. Agreed. What's number two, Nolan, on the uh, spicy hot takes brought to you by the On Point Spice Company? So this one came out earlier today from 247 Sports. Uh, They posted out a graphic of the college football teams on the verge of a breakout season in 2023, listing Texas, Texas A&M, OU, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Iowa, or Maryland. And I didn't think that this this is like a ranking thing because there's no numbers system to this, but I was wanting to know if Texas isn't the team that makes that breakout this year, 
who on this list would be that team to make that jump? Michael? Uh, for me, it may be Ole Miss. You know, they, they added Zachary Franklin, the wide receiver from UTSA, uh, the other day. They have excellent running back. You know, Ulysses Bentley is still there. You know, the running back from SMU that transferred a couple years. You look at their quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, a lot of talent. Uh, I really like Lane Kiffin. Uh, the one that I, I don't think – maybe I'm on the wrong podcast to say this, uh, but A&M figures out their run defense. They're going to be pretty good. You know, you look you look at what they have on – you know, Anaya Smith, Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, Donovan Green are their weapons. Uh, running back, they have three. That Connor Wegman kid was a five-star coming out of high school. Would have been in that same class as, as Cade Klubnik and, and, and Quinn Ewers had Ewers not reclassified. A really good player out of Houston. They have so much talent in the front four of that defense and in the back end of that defense. Linebacker is also a concern for them. That's going to be the weak spot for them. Uh, but going from five wins, like if we're talking about just your floor – Right, like going from five wins to eight or nine in the SEC would be a pretty big jump for for Jimbo Fisher, and uh, I think he needs nine to stay. I think I think if he gets to nine or above, Jimbo stays. If it's seven or below, Jimbo's gone. The real fun starts at eight. Like the real the real fun <laughs> of that conversation starts if A and M goes eight and four. What that fan base is going to do because with Texas coming, and it also depends on how well Texas does, right? Because if Texas goes eleven and one or ten and two and wins the Big Twelve, eight and four is not good enough at A and M. If Texas kind of falters and goes seven and five, eight and four again, then eight and four they can probably kick the can down the road and see what that's going. Uh, but if you're A and M, you're you're just like Texas. You're positioning yourself for that 2024 game. That's going to be the biggest game. And program history for for Texas A and M, right? Like that's going to be a big. They've been ramping up for this for it's twelve years be now. In College Station. And it's probably going to be in College Station. A fun co- topic is like where they would have it if not in College Station, because it can't <laughs> be in Austin, right? No. Uh, but I do think A and M is up for one of those big years because of the talent they have. And if they not, Texas is going to see a different coach on the other end of the sideline in twenty twenty four. A and M, I like that, and the Jimbo Fisher. Uh, must prove it year. I like Bobby Petrino. Out. Like, give me you give me Bobby Petrino, we're gonna score forty points. Yeah, I wouldn't let him watch my kids or <laughs> right. My, yeah, my, my, no, no, no. but call wife, my football but, plays. But call yeah. football plays. Yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah, uh, and I, how those two get along will be really intriguing oh down gosh. at College Station, without a doubt. I'd say this, Nolan, to the uh, the question. I, I I like Notre Dame's interesting. I like Marcus Freeman. I like the talent that they've added. They've got some speed on the outside. I think they might be one more year away from where they're going to be at their best because they're recruiting very well. But how? And you didn't, they didn't mention Florida State on that list. I think Florida no, State. That's what I was is thinking. Is a team too. that can uh, become kind of like Texas. They parallel Texas. That they've been sleeping giant for a while. Certainly at the end of Jimbo, and now you know Mike Norvell. Is this the year that in, in a in an ACC that feels like it's there to be had? Clemson sl- slipped a little bit. Miami, North Carolina. Uh, is this the year Florida State steps back into the natural stage? That's the team I would put out there. Last one in our spicy hot takes brought to you by On Point Spice Company. Uh, this one comes from The Athletic, College Football Athletic, with uh, Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman put out this article earlier this morning, about maybe at noon, and it was the tier list of five tiers of the quarterbacks in college football, tier one being Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams only. <laughs> tier one is one player. Yeah. Tier two being Drake May, Michael Penix Jr. That's tier two. Tier three gets a little bigger. Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Jaden Daniels at LSU, Frank Harris, UTSA. Meet, um, meet. Meet, meet. Um, tier four, Sam Hartman, Dylan Gabriel, Tanner Mordecai, Dylan uh, Jalen Daniels, Tua, Tua Leah Tagovailoa at Maryland. Yep. Cam Rising in there as well. And Cam Rising. And, and as we get down... Horn. As we get down to Tier 5, we see our boy Quinn Ewers down here with Joe Milton from T- Tennessee, Will Howard, Spencer Rattler, Jackson Dart, 
And uh, I was wanting to put the question out there. Do you think this ranking is fair, or do you think he deserves to be top tier four? Can I take the first answer there, Michael? Yeah, go. Because it's brought to you by On Point Spice. I think it's on point. I don't I don't have any disagreement with it. Quinn, yours, you said earlier, has to prove it. I mean, he's got to prove what he is. He's a five-star. He's shown the ability. The, the first half he was having against Alabama was legendary, but, boy, he looked very pedestrian at times last year, too. And I'll give him credit that that was a young quarterback who missed five games with injury. Uh, teams kind of figured him out a little bit, and uh, he was learning the game. But I thought, Michael, you had a, a great point with, uh, you know, he hasn't played a full season of college or football, period, since he's 16 years old, uh, playing high school football at South Lake Carroll. Uh, the Ohio State year, the injuries, uh, senior year, the injury this year at Texas, uh, this past season. I think that's right where he needs to be because, you know, I mean, I don't think that's a that's a, a slam. Joe Milton played an unbelievable bowl game. He could be really good at Tennessee, yeah. replacing Hendon Hooker. Uh, Will Will Howard at Kansas State was really good at the end of last year. I don't think they're saying that he's he's not a good player, but can he prove it over a 12-game season that he's a championship quarterback and join, you know, those tiers? I think Drake May is getting a lot of love because the NFL loves him, but he hasn't done a lot as far as skins on the wall yet. That might be a little high for him. Mike, what do you make of the quarterback tiers? I think I have more problem with uh, who's up in tier four more so than Quinn being in, in tier five. Like I, I don't know what Jalen Daniels at Kansas has done that that some of you know that separates them from a, a Quinn Ewers or a Will Howard or even a Jackson Dart. But yeah, I mean I think I think Quinn's one of those guys that that has all the talent in the world. He can make all the throws. There's a reason he was uh, rated as a perfect quarterback recruit coming out uh, of high school. Um, but he's got to do it. And, and I think for Quinn it's not about it's it's about progressions, right? Like that's the story with Quinn. Like if Quinn can get better at going from read two to read three, he's going to be an all Big Twelve quarterback and he's going to be a top you know twenty pick in the NFL draft. If he continues to struggle with that, we may be talking about you know if he's trying to stay for another year to figure that out and how that lock jams you know the quarterback room or whatever. But for for, for me, you know, Quinn Ewers is as talented as anybody on that list, not named Caleb Williams. Yeah, it's just a matter of in between the ears is he is he football IQ high enough uh, to lead a football team this talented. Uh, to the heights that it's supposed to be taken to. We'll find that out. I'll wrap that up by saying I agree with you. He has the highest ceiling of any of those players in Tier 4 or 5 to be into Tier 2 or 1 pretty quickly. And I think Sark is a huge part of this. And bringing in Paul Christ as an advisor, you know, they're going to create mismatches. And all it really, if you go back to when Mac Jones was quarterbacking at Alabama with Sark, it, Mac's job was just to find the mismatch. Yep. Like, we, we have so much talent on this field where is our best receiver, one of our best weapons, versus your third or fourth corner? We're going to beat that. And that makes it pretty simple on a quarterback, especially if you establish a running game, especially if you have play action to do it. Uh, gosh, how many times in that, that record-breaking year at that, for that Alabama offense were guys running wide open and free? And Mac Jones' job was pretty darn easy, uh, find the open man. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think Quinn Ewers can do that at a more elite level, arm strength-wise and, and stretching the field-wise than even Mac Jones did. But as you said, that's yet to be seen. Yeah. It's got to be proven. There's a lot of, we like about the Texas team. We can see it, but can they put it on the field and uh, make it happen? Quinn is a huge part of that. And he's been a two-read quarterback his entire career. And, you know, that works eight games out of the year. You're going to face three or four defenses that can match up with you a little bit and cause you some issues. They're going to show you something that you, that you weren't seeing or that the sideline isn't going to help you out with, right? you got to figure that out on your own. He hasn't shown the ability to do that on the fly yet. He didn't do it against Westlake when he was at Southlake. You go back and watch that tape, a similar thing. Uh, you figure out where he wants to put the ball. You put a guy there, and you see if he'll see him. 
and he didn't then. He didn't a lot of times last year in his 10 starts, and we'll see if he figures that out going into year two as a starting quarterback at the college level, and you would expect him to make that jump going into year two as a starting quarterback. And that, my friends, is a Mike Craven hot take right there. Hot take. Yeah. Spicy hot take. Brought to you by On Point Spice Company. That'll wrap up our third quarter. On Spice, you probably haven't heard of them, but you need to. Uh, they're a local small business that's just growing, coming online. They produce top quality spice blends that are a must in every home. I promise you, once you add this to your shelf, you'll get rid of all the other spices. You'll also, if you're a barbecuer and loves to smoke meat, uh, their, their, their second, uh, the AR Barbecue Pitmaster Rub, is the last one you'll need there, too. Their top shelf top, top steak and more from on point uh, is the last steak seasoning you'll ever need it's phenomenal on fillets ribeyes sirloins t-bones whatever cut of meat you're going to go with also fantastic on veggies when you're looking for some kick on those vegetables that you love so much on the grill or in the oven or in a pan and as I mentioned, that AR Barbecue Pitmaster Rub has been developed by a grand champion pit boss and has been 20-plus years in the making. And now you can add it, after two decades of work, into your spice rack and outdoor kitchen and ready to go. It's incredible on your brisket, chicken, porks, pork shoulder, whatever meat you're smoking, it's going to be the go-to. And here's a pro tip. That uh, AR Barbecue Pitmaster turns out to be quite amazing on the rim of your favorite favorite Bloody Mary after a long night of smoking or after a good time on a Sunday. You're looking for it. Get it. Uh, the pro tip is there. Get you some today. Onpointspices.com. they got a great little website there. Onpointspices.com. I had my props last week when we did this, mm-hmm. and I didn't bring them because we been using them. At the house, I gotta gotta get some more and bring them back in here. Uh, James and the team, uh, Adrian, have to get me some more. It is really good. Onpointspices.com. That's onpointspices.com. Bringing you our third quarter and our hot, spicy college football takes. All right, uh, Mr. Ca- uh, Mr. Uh, Craven, let's wrap this thing up with our fourth quarter. Uh, episode eight. It's good to be back. Good to be yes, doing this it's thing. Good to be back. I know next week you're going to be on. We got to get back into podcast shape. Yeah, we do. Uh, we got some. We won't see him. Griffin's going to fix everything. We're going to be good. But uh, I just mean I'm fading. You know, <laughs> God, no, it's, nine. it's after nine. It's after nine now. Uh, the four, fourth quarter, uh, and and Mike, you're going to be on vacation next week, so we're going to have a, a fill-in host in the whole bit. Uh, we're going to have guests uh, and everything. You're going to Tennessee. I'm going to Tennessee. Great Smoky National, not National Park. You're not going to go do the uh, bachelor bachelorette party scene. No, in Nashville. Nashville's not for me. <laughs> Nashville's not for me. I like the chicken. It's a pretty city. It reminds me of Austin 30 years ago, to be honest with you. Uh, but I, I, I enjoy more getting to, like, Gatlinburg, getting in those areas. Chatt- Chattanooga is a very yeah. pretty place for people who haven't gone uh, there. My family is originally from Tennessee. The Craven family came here, came to Leander in the nineteen or the 1850s uh, from Tennessee, from the Knoxville area. So we're going to go uh, go out there, hang out there, scratch off another national park. I'm on a quest to, to knock out all 63. So I'm How many like, have you been to? Uh, this will be like 22 or 23 wow. or something like that. That's yeah. wonderful. Well, national parks are like, my, we don't need to get on a tangent here. Uh, but there's nobody out there and there's no cell service. So it's really the perfect place in the world. It's perfect for you, Mike. Yeah, it's absolutely. Don't like yeah. crowds. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Nashville downtown on Broadway, probably not. Oh for you. man, awful, awful. That's a that's <laughs> a Dante Inferno level of hell right there. <laughs> I need to get you up on one of those uh, the buses where they rip the roof off and all the the ladies are up no, there no. ripping their tops off. I mean, it's some kind of party. Well, you had that part's party okay. buses. Come but, on now. Uh, yeah, the uh, yeah. I'm just not not a huge crowd guy. I get you. That's why you should be out in the Great Smoky Mountains. All right, fourth quarter. Uh, now, we wanted to introduce you to some players that are rolling in here. We know we covered with our previous seven episodes through spring, the 13 early enrollees, the portal players that were already here, uh, and there were plenty of them, but there's a, a group that have, are rolling in here to start with the summer workouts. 
And I want to roll through some of these with you, Mike, and get your thoughts. Thumbnail. Not not all of them from the state of Texas, but uh, do your best. Uh, maybe the biggest name is the five-star safety Derek Williams out of New Iberia, Louisiana. Uh, he's four-star in some places, but five-star in others. Um, you know, another high-level safety prospect rolling in here to Texas. He was one of those three big commitments from the state of Louisiana, Arch Manning, his teammate Will Randall, who we'll talk about coming up, and Derek Williams, impact safety. Yeah, I don't know if Texas fans are going to enjoy the comparison, but he reminds me of B.J. Foster just in terms of just, like, size, frame, physicality. Like, he's going to come hit you. Like, he's not scared to get, to hit you. You know, B.J. Suff- suffered through some injuries. I mean, I don't I don't think he can still raise his right arm above his shoulder. So, you know, he had some issues in his career uh, that stopped him from from uh, uh, achieving his uh, his upside. Uh, but Williams is a guy that can can move around. He can cover everywhere. I mean, he's a four-star, five-star player for a reason. A big-time player that usually ends up in LSU secondary. So for Texas to get him down here, that's a that's a good thing. That's a big sign. Yeah. Uh, Terry Joseph, the uh, secondary coach, cornerbacks coach, Ian Blake getting did a great job yeah. on that get. And uh, you know, got Jalen Catalan there. The depth at that position is good. But this is the future. You know, uh, last year they brought in the kid that was a five-star or four-star kid out of the Metroplex at safety, correct? B.J. Mm-hmm. BJ Allen. Yep. I mean, they're stockpiling some really good players. Derek Williams is on board. New Iberia, Louisiana. Aldine Eisenhower, wide receiver, not Ryan Niblett. Uh, this is speed and quickness. Is that Fast. what we're going for? Fast. Fast. Like all gas. 10.58 in the, yeah. uh, yeah. the 100 meters as a sophomore. He's, you know, Sark loves big humans and speed. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Niblett fits that. Uh, any comp to him or somebody that reminds you of a little bit, maybe? Uh, no, you know, maybe like a Devin Duvernay, something like that, you know, just like very big top-end speed. He's a he's a slot receiver size, but he can get over the top of a defense so much that you could play him on the outside. Uh, but if you go back to those Alabama teams, right, where they could like play paper, rock, scissors on the sideline to see who got to be the end-around guy, that's what Texas is trying to build here. Where they have, Cook. Right, guy. where they have those guys that are interchangeable, that can line up at X, Y, or Z, and you can do whatever you want with them. Uh, Waco Connolly athlete Jelani McDonald. Uh, what do we know about him? He's out of the Waco area, one of the later commitments, uh, but another one of the, those athletes that you, mm-hmm. you just like to have in your roster and find where they flourish. I do wonder where he's going to wind up. Like if he's, I, I, I think defense is the quicker route to the football. If he could grow into that off-ball linebacker type guy, uh, like that a Maurice Blackwell or somebody was coming into, uh, I think that would be his long-term position. But he's so explosive, I wouldn't be surprised if he's stuck on offense as well. What about uh, Red Oak safety Warren Robinson? Roberts, Robertson, speaking of a guy that will come up and hit you, I've seen some of his yeah. video, committed to Texas over TCU at the very end. This guy will come up and, and lay a lick. Yeah, you know, I remember back when I was first getting into this business, safeties were just where you put slow corners. You know, and now safeties are having to become the the answer to positionless football. They have to be linebackers and run support. They have to be cornerbacks uh, in the secondary. They have to be quarterbacks in the way that they kind of put pieces together. And he's one of those guys that can play multiple positions, free safety, boundary safety, do it all. Uh, what about the uh, North Crowley linebacker Samaje Burrell? Uh, he was one of the first commitments for the for yeah. this staff. It's you know, and, and a great recruiting class for linebackers for the defensive staff and Jeff Choate. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Anthony Hill coming in from Denton. Uh, but this kid, Darren Gallette, uh, Darian Gallette from Marlin. But this was a big one early, Samaje mm-hmm. Burrell. Yeah, just another guy who's a football player. Always around the football when you watch his tape. Uh, should grow 20, 30 pounds and, and be a true uh, inside linebacker. 
it's modern football, so we can be honest and have an adult conversation that one or two of those guys is going to end up transferring, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But you sign four high-level dudes, and you figure out the two that stick around and turn into really good football players. And of the guys that you mentioned, you know, two of those guys are going to be really good, and you roll with those dudes. What about the uh, offensive tackle from Melissa Trevor Goolsby? Um, one of the only offensive linemen in the 2023 class who didn't enroll early. So he's coming yeah. in summer, uh, part of that big humans and another one of those big guys, Trevor Goolsby. Yeah, Greg Powers is who does our recruiting at Dave Campbell's, and he really loves his kid's footwork and just his ability to work into that frame. Not not quite big enough to walk in and play yet, but Texas has gotten into this enviable position of you don't need Kelvin Banks to walk in and start 13 games anymore, right? Like they have seven, eight deep on the offensive line. He'll be able to develop, and if he can add muscle and frame to that, you know, he's got potential because of his athleticism. Yeah, he'll roll in, and then uh, we saw him in win a state championship with Jonte Cook. Uh, DeSoto running back Trey Wisner, a yeah. uh, really good player. Yeah, he can do it all. He's kind of like a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. He can be a slot receiver. He can play running back. I think Debo Sam, you know, like that's what we're going towards, right? Like the positionless football. You know, Kyle Shanahan is a big, uh, I don't know if mentor is the right word because they're relatively the same age, but definitely friend and somebody that Sark tosses football ideas with. And he's one of those guys that can play all those multiple positions. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Savion Red. Keelan Robinson already kind of filling yeah. that role to do a lot of different things. Trey Wisner, a really talented player, uh, as they beat Vandergrift for that state championship. What about South Oak Cliff Edge? Billy Walton was an Oklahoma State commitment. Longhorns are looking for edge pressure. This is another guy from that South Dallas yeah. pipeline that's starting to roll in here. Yeah, it's, you know, Chris Gilbert. Maybe it doesn't get enough credit that he deserves. He's now the tight end coach at North Texas, but they did so well. You know, he was a former Lancaster coach up there. They did so well in that little triangle down there of DeSoto, Cedar Hill, Duncanville, uh, South Oak Cliff. Uh, they'll have to continue that to be really good because A&M, LSU do so well in Houston. We'll see how that continues. Uh, but Billy's an excellent defender. That South Oak, Cliff defense, South Oak Cliff defense over the last two years is about as good as we've seen at the high school level statistically since the 80s in Houston Yates. And there's about, I think there was nine out of their 11 starters played Division One football now from last year's team. He's an edge rusher that needs to add weight. He's a little skinny, looks more like a basketball player than a football player right now, uh, but should be really good high end. And when you can get into those schools and sign those players, uh, you just have to do it because there's going to be 10 more coming down the pipe and there's a lot of there's a there's a bond between all those yeah. guys uh, yeah. they grew up playing all sports together in south dallas uh in his senior year at oak cliff 32 tackles for loss 18 sacks big time player <laughs> uh, a couple of tight ends coming in modern day out of california tight end shannon uh, spencer shannon we mentioned the isidore newman tight end will randall teammate of arch manning always good to have a a colleague with your <laughs> your franchise quarterback potentially that's always a good thing and uh two Portal players that are coming in, you need to know about Minnesota from the University of Minnesota, Trill Carter. Trill Carter, kid out of the state of Georgia, who I really like this pickup for Texas on the defensive front, where you're losing Keandre Coburn uh, and you lost more Ojemo to the draft. This is a guy that, gosh, got nearly, got nearly like 480 snaps last mm -hmm. year playing defensive tackle at Minnesota, was an honorable mention, all Big Ten player, just high motor guy, high motor, never slows down. Uh, you know, we'll be put in that rotation at defensive tackle where you can't have enough fresh bodies for Bo Davis. Yeah, and he's not going to light up the stat sheet. He's nope. he's not going somebody that's going to get a lot of tackles for loss, not getting a lot of sacks, but he's going to take the blocks on that allow Jalen Ford, that allow David Benda, that allow Anthony Hill to go make those plays. And let's not forget about the last one, the punter Ryan Sanborn, who was not here for the for the winter or for the you know the winter workouts and spring practice, but uh, this is a four year player at Stanford kicks kind of Cameron Dicker of Stanford he punted he kicked off he made field goals and you know we talk about special teams Joe D Camillus coming in as advisor to Jeff Banks 
that is huge to have somebody that you can rely on to serve all those roles, to shore up the, the punting game, uh, maybe your kicking game, maybe your kickoff game, Well, even with the change rules. You know, so Ryan Sandmore, punters don't get a lot of love, but four-year starter at Stanford, probably a pretty smart kid too. Probably a pretty, pretty smart kid. I'm glad we've gotten to where we call kickers and specialty players by their name again. That's exactly right. Yeah, Tom Harmon, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, that was a little insulting. That was a weird it just flex. It's just Tom. And they're like – the two best players at their position in the NFL, yeah. too. <laughs> you know, like they weren't like average. Like, this is the greatest punter of all time. All right, Michael, that's going to wrap up our fourth quarter. Uh, we'll say goodbye here in a minute. Let me tell you that our entire program and podcast, multicast, powered by our friends, uh, our title sponsor at Grande Equipment, West Murray and Weston Murray, locally owned and operated independent heavy equipment dealer based right here in Central Texas. Wes is a great friend. Uh, his son, Weston, they run the show. Incredible team. They've been serving Central Texas in the great state and the world's equipment needs for nearly 20 years now. Their attention to detail and total commitment to your project, timeline, and budget unmatched in the industry, I can promise you. That's why they've grown like they have. Uh, as, uh, as my man Wes likes to say, they, they're, they're small and nimble, but they play in the big leagues without a doubt because they're independent. They don't have to lock into one brand or manufacturer. They can get you what you need, whether you're a wholesaler, a dealer, or just uh, looking for a project at the lease or wherever you're doing it. Grande has one of the largest rental fleets of major brand equipment as well in the industry. Uh, more than anything, they're a small but nimble company that plays big time because of the consistency they deliver and the relationships they build every single time. Grande Equipment now has a renewable energy sector as well, supporting solar energy projects all over the country they succeed in finding equipment that others cannot please please for any project large small or massive discover them begin building your relationship today with our uh, multicast title sponsor at grandeequipment.com that's where you can find them website grandeequipment.com they are the best michael Thank you, my friend. Been fun. Been good. Another episode in the books. Thanks to all of our presenting sponsors, including our man Carlos Carrion, the TexasMortgageGuy.com, the On Point Sport Spice Company, One Source Gas of Austin, tremendous as well. Uh, bringing it to you in Hayes City Store and Ice House, ready to serve you and your family with that scratch-made Texas comfort food. Sounds good about right now. Mike, enjoy Tennessee. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you to Nolan Hogan, our digital dude. Thank you to Griffin Hogan, our uh, executive producer as well. Thank you to Carlos Carrion for dropping by. That is another edition, uh, edition of the multicast that has it, uh, its eyes on Texas football, powered by Grande Equipment.